no more night, no more pain, no more tears, never crying again. Praises to the great I am, we will live in the light of the risen Lamb. Tom is singing Revelation 21 and 22. That is the message of those two chapters, the final vision the revelator has for us. Remember, he's writing to be clear, to make something understandable. It's not a secret. It's not a puzzle. He writes to the believers, actually, to help bolster their confidence. When we're done reading John, we're to say, Oh, yes, I see. Thank you. So it is his revelation, his vision now, the last cycle in chapter 21, reads a little bit like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with people, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the order of things has passed away. We hear from the first time in all of the book of Revelation, now finally the voice from the throne. And John isn't even bold enough to say that's the voice of God talking, but, but we can tell by what we're reading. God is now speaking for 20 chapters. If you've been waiting to hear what God would say, God says, we'll be at home together now. I'm coming. It's us. You'll be safe no tears, no death, no mourning, no crying. Everything will be new. The vision expands a little when we move to Revelation chapter 22 because there's, there's more talk about this city. Beginning in verse 1, The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great sea street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's not only the Jerusalem, the most important city to the Israelites that we're reading about now. It's also that other important city, the first in our Bible, that garden location in Eden. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Jerusalem and Eden coming together somehow, standing in contrast to Babylon the great city that's gone down in chapter 18. When you put these two cities together, Jerusalem and the Garden of Eden, the Bible says we have something totally new. New means new. 
We've never experienced it before. It means unused, unexperienced, maybe foreign or unfamiliar. It isn't Eden restored. It isn't, oh, yes, we'll get that back again. It's something new. And the revelator says it's coming down out of a sky. John says there's a city, sky city, descending like a lamb, preparing, like, preparing to marry its lamb bride. Now, that's real clear, John. A city preparing to marry a lamb bride? A cosmic lamb is marrying a city? What story is this we read? John says it's a city like none other. Large walls, pierced gates. They're pierced with, with city gates. There are gems all the way around, precious gems, this repeated use of The number 12, collections of 12 things. The pillars of the city are named for our spiritual ancestors, Israel and the apostles. Not perfect people, just perseverant pilgrims make up this city. We're told that the the city is in a cube, and the cube is so long and so wide and so tall, it would take up over half of the United States, and it would stand as tall as 260 Mount Everests on top of each other. A cube. Unbelievably huge, transparent, yet totally gold. Even John's descriptions don't all add up themselves. Work the measurements and add up the numbers. They're they're not even real clear. It's John at his best trying to describe what's unbelievable. In Israel's history, there has been a cube, one cube room. It's been in Solomon's temple, that most holy place where God resides. But now we see as this city descends and takes up its space on the earth, it is so clear God's presence is with the people. Earth has become the living room of God. And it doesn't matter what else gets described from this point on in the book of Revelation, it all pales in comparison to this city. This city is the one. If there's another above or on the ground or underneath, we don't know about it. John doesn't speak of it. It is all about this city. I suspect for some of you, the idea of a big city isn't exactly exciting. It is why you moved to the country what used to be the country. For others, the big city is just your thing. I love the city. I love the city. Raised in the country, but I love the city. When we were growing up, there was one day we got on the road and we drove for what I thought was a week. I think it was just three and a half hours, though, to the big city. We were going to this place where in 1962 the city had been remade. It was a new landscape because the World's Fair had been there. And I was told in the city there was a a building the shape of a needle that went all the way to the top of the sky. You could get in and ride up and touch the stars. And in this city there was also a a fast-paced monorail that connected downtown to this needle image in the sky. Something out of 20,070 some high rail, monorail, high speed. It only goes a mile and a half. <laughs> but when I was a kid, it seemed like huge. And the whole city was bustling and busy. Seattle. In downtown Seattle, my favorite. In downtown Seattle, the, the department stores are old and massive, but there is none like the original J.N. Nordstrom building. 
Mark Carr must be back. J.N. Nordstrom's. Now, before you get too far down the gender conversation, thinking I'm going to shop all day, the J.N. Nordstrom building has glass doors all the way around the front, all the sides, and massive steps that keep going down and down. It doesn't matter which door you enter. You walk down these huge steps into Nordstrom's, and people are busy shopping everywhere, spending money and many things to sell you, but, but I had my eye fixed on all the steps leading to one location, right down in the, in the center of all of it is this massive Steinway. The biggest grand piano I'd ever seen. Black like this, no fingerprints, out of, not out of tune, all the keys work. Beautiful, perfect, a Steinway, the holy of a holies of Seattle. Right in front of me. I'm mesmerized with that piano since I was a little girl. One day, when I'm done being your pastor in a long, long time from now, you will find me at that Steinway in downtown Seattle, where I've already made my practice tape to submit for my application. It, there's nothing more perfect than that. I remember even one point saying to God, if I got that job, I would even play, I would even play hymns and the people wouldn't know what they were hearing. I just want to sit at that piano, the most holy of holies. My perfect city, Seattle. If we're going to call it heaven, then the NBA will be on all season long. No one will ever serve mushrooms. Always chocolate, never mushrooms. You have your list too. It is a city to top all cities that John has brought down on top of the earth, on top of the mountain. The most important thing is you want to be a part of this city, John is telling the people. This is where God lives now. And one thing all cities have in common in ancient times, in current times, Cities need people. Cities have relationships. In John's day, a city is not a city just because it has water and has food you can purchase. A city is a city because there's a, a connection, a, a bounded group of relationships that somehow work. Which is why there is such a thing as a stranger and an alien because if you don't have connections, you don't fit in the city. In this new Jerusalem, we're told... You don't need connections because God has called you here. This is your place to live now. You don't need to have connections with the land or people of the region. This is your home. At the end of John's vision, we see that really it's not a conclusion to his story. It's not a conclusion to the Bible. It is another beginning. Do you see? It's the beginning of something else. In just a moment, Mary Cushenberry is going to recite for us all of Revelation chapter 21 and 22, her special project to commit to memory scripture. While Mary is reciting, I'd like for you to think about a couple of things. If you'd like, here are two or three questions to have in your mind as you hear the descriptions that she gives. The first is no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more curse. The text says, can you imagine no more? We'll use our own voices at the end of the service this morning and just fill in the blank. What does that mean to you? No more what? No more. For me, it'll be funerals. No more. I can just hit the delete 
file in my computer marked Chris, Calamesa, church, documents, funerals, gone. All those names. No more. What will it be for you? We'll list a few of those this morning. No more God's taking all of this out of the way. While you think about that, remember that the beast and Babylon has gone down in chapter 18. All the evil goes down, so everything ugly goes down with it. We'll name those things this morning. And while we're talking about that evil and that pain, while we know what Babylon and evil and beasts feel like here, it's probably worth pausing and asking ourselves, do we even realize how sick we've become on planet Earth? Do we realize how far down we had come in Revelation 18 when the beast goes down, the city begins to weep? The people who own the shops, the merchants begin to cry because they can't get fabric, they can't get minerals, and they can't get livestock. They no longer can buy spices and goods. They no longer can buy and sell human beings. That slaves are on the bottom of the list of commodities in Revelation 18. How far has creation fallen? It's a question to ask ourselves this morning. Not only how far, but look at how much healing it takes. By the time we get to these visions at the very end, there's already been 1,000 years of what? Peace, supposedly. No chaos. And it is even, even after this long time period, we're told, now no more tears. Does that mean being in the presence of God for a long time period won't be enough to wipe away the tears? And we're told there'll be a tree in the garden there for the healing of the nations, a tree that grows leaves that will heal us. How sick have we become that forever there will be a tree that can heal in our presence. Isn't that interesting? While we're on the topic of how sick we've become, one thing I'm challenged to think about, one thing I think our denomination should be challenged to think about is the terror of God, that is, punishment, torment, hell, pain, at the hand of God in the book of Revelation. For when you hear Mary recite this morning, not all will be about this beautiful city. Some will be about the wrath of God that supposedly pours out enough ugliness so there's a sulfur lake bubbling continuously. And I would ask us as Adventist Christians, are we sure we understand this about God? If the remnant's task is to tell the truth about God... What is it we're supposed to be saying here? For you can find tension in, even among Adventist conversations. And you can find tension in Ellen White. We don't believe in a literal hell, hell where people burn and, and live forever and ever on fire. Yet we do believe people are tormented, that they're punished somehow according to the degree of sin they committed. We don't believe God enjoys that and we would, God doesn't want to see creation suffer. Yet somehow God is pouring God's wrath out. And I would just ask us as a denomination to consider again what we're saying about the character of God here, that the wrath that comes at the hand of God, because we're acting as if our God is going to win because our God is bigger, as if evil is the defining value. What about goodness? What about love? What about the kind of image of leadership we met in chapter 4, this lamb that's been slain, seated on a throne, a kind of leadership that is so different than the world. 
How is it God could say you're free to choose? I go to prepare a place for you. I have many rooms. And if you don't choose one, you're going to be tormented. We have more to think about and say as a congregation when we listen to the wrath of God in the book of Revelation. And finally, in those letters to the seven churches, the beginning of the book, you may have remembered, you may have read for yourself, those Christians in the seven churches are promised something if they conquer the conquering ones, those who have this patient endurance, which we've defined as, as an act of resistance, they're promised several things. They're promised that they'll wear white robes. They're promised that they'll have new manna. They're told that they'll have a seat on the throne, that they'll have power over the nations. They're promised some specific things. I just want you to listen. When Mary gets to the part in the vision, it's actually much, much more than that. The words are, I will make all things new. It is God at God's best being more gracious than we could have understood. It isn't just white robes. It isn't just manna. It isn't just you'll sit on the throne. It isn't just you'll have power over the nations that suppress you. It's I will make everything new. what, What could that be? What more could God do that we don't know about? The text tells me there is so much more that God's willingness and his desire, his passion for creation to bring peace and justice and righteousness to everyone is bigger and beyond even what we can imagine. God dreams bigger. God's dream is riskier. Listen to that as Mary recites for us this morning. It is in the end... An image I'm not sure any of us can really understand, but something we're all made for. In the last battle in the Chronicles of Narnia, as Aslan runs up ahead and tramples through the grass, he he tells all of them, come up, come up with me. He wants to show them the new city. Come and follow. And they go and they look through a door. And it is while they're looking through the door that the unicorn says... This is the land I've been looking for all my life. I just never knew it until right now. It is what we are made for, this new heaven and new earth. Mary, share with us, would you? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
he who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. <coughs> then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the, of the, wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadium length and as wide and as high as it was long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubics thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. 
I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. There will be no night there. The honor and the glory of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Neither will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be more, no more light for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of his prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. Let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have given you this message for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. While you're thinking about that image, I'm just going to step down here, and I'm going to ask you to, from where you're seated, use your voice, and just let us all hear in one, two, three words. When you picture this new place, there will be no more what? No more worry? No more what? No more crime. Can you? Thank you. No more crime. No more disease. No more death and pain. No more separation. No more aging. No more fighting. No more lice. Light. Lies. Lice is bad too, but <laughs> no more lies. No more. No more tears. No more disappointment. Fear. Failure. Greed. Lack of time. 
No more pain. No more sin. No more rent. No more traffic. We got very specific in first service. No more 91 freeway. No more politicians. No fires burning out of control. Greed? Terrorists? Broken relationships? Court? No more poor. Stress? Lost? Loss. No more manipulation. Cancer. Gone. Can you imagine? Just this church alone, cancer gone. No more birth defects. Pollution, orphans, AIDS, drugs, medical practice, gone. All of you who go to your medical spaces, gone. No more loneliness. Evil beings, gone. Misunderstanding. misunderstanding, gone. Depression, gone. Language barriers, gone. Divorce, gone. Earthquakes? Those two. Earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis. Injustice, done. Selfishness. No more pastors, did you say? Glasses. No more hearing troubles. No more glasses, no more... Hearing aids, got it. No more baldness. Yeah, we got that first service, too. Plenty of hair in heaven, in the right places. Guilt, prison, diet, borders, snoring, prejudice, no more Satan. No more Satan. The beast, the false prophet, the beast from the sea, the beast on the ground, the dragons in the air, the sins of the harlots and all the people. No more Satan, evil. Those words are used in Revelation for all of it. A network of evil. We're told, gone. Gone.
Augustine writes in his book, The City of God, the last lines, and the people of God will be at peace. They will rest and see. They will see and love. They will love and praise. This is what we shall do without end, without end. Amen? The text says that the people of God say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you say that with me? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Now would be good. Amen.